Alpha Ruiz, Aivu Khan Ranaji, Piod Bilajach, Yumia Shrentail, Izukizu, Ech Chef Shentros and Ediet. Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. Uh, with me down the road a ways, I could actually hop on a bus and get to his house right now, is William Annis. Hello. Uh, and up, uh, where are you, Mike, right now? You're you're up in New Jersey still? Yep, back in New Jersey. Okay, so that's Mike Lentine. And we have a special guest for this episode that's Eric. And uh, uh, say hello, Eric. Hello. It's a people. You'll find out why Eric's on in a little bit, but I want to make a couple announcements. First of all, if you guessed by the way I introduced William, I am in Wisconsin now. I'm, I'm living in Madison, Wisconsin. I haven't started classes yet. Um, but I'm sort of getting my bearings and applying for jobs and, uh, getting to know my little corner of town that I'm in, uh, very close to campus actually. So that's yes. good. He's also speaking um, to everyone he encounters who speaks Mandarin. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a few hmm. Chinese friends. Yes. Huh. Mainlanders or from Taiwan or <laughs> elsewhere? Uh, a couple Taiwanese people I met on the bus, but, uh, mostly, uh, mainlanders. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's just, uh, that's just, uh, one of my things, but <laughs> it helps me practice Chinese to, to just uh. randomly chat up, uh, Chinese people. Uh, and, uh, the other thing, um... Uh, now we aren't doing, we aren't me and William in the same room like I wanted to, to record. Uh, but someday we may do that. I don't know. We'll have to get the logistics arranged for that, but it may be a while because, um, William, uh, is possibly going to take a break for the, sh- from the show for a while. William, you want to explain a little bit? I, I, I just want a little break. That's all. <laughs> a few months when I don't okay. have to, you know, <laughs> research this, that, or the other thing. It would, would be mm-hmm. nice. So I'm going to take a break. Okay. Well, that's... that's it is not expected to perfect. be a permanent break, but I just I just need a few months yeah. to focus on other things. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So William's going to... Um, as soon as we can uh, f- jigger up a replacement, I... I have contacted some people already, so don't be blowing up my email for wanting to be a, a host on the show. But um, <laughs> I have I have my people picked out that I want to to uh, to uh, do that in my list. But um, uh, this mm, well, it, it will be a little difficult without you, William, because you've carried the show for so long. But uh, we will survive, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, um, but anyway, 
that's uh, all the little housekeeping announcements that I wanted to do. Um, anyway, um, let's get on with the show, shall we? Yes. This is a featured Conlang episode, as mm-hmm. is every other episode. Um, uh, we have uh, yep. oh. with us, so I already introduced Eric, and uh, and... Eric is the creator of our featured conlang for today, which is Tayane. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, fine. Or, much like I pronounce it, Tayane. Yeah. Same thing. The, the, well, um, we'll get into a little bit on, on uh, what I'm thinking about when I'm trying to pronounce that, but um, why don't you introduce... Yourself first, um, how you got into conlanging, and then um, give us your your sort of elevator pitch on Tayane. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I got into conlanging in high school, like eight years ago. It was like, I had a Latin class, I was first exposed to Japanese, my parents got me a book on Tolkien's languages friend told me about Esperanto. So there's a lot of like nexus of language stuff. And so I just started creating conlangs, which were really horrible. Uh, had three conlangs, each of which fit on a single side of loose leaf paper. Wow. <laughs> that clearly not very in-depth. Um, yeah. So eventually, like 2008, I want to say, um, I sort of stopped conlanging. Um, I started learning guitar instead, and that lasted through all of college. Mm. So last year, um, I was like, I don't know what to do over the summer. So um, I randomly tried out conlanging again and found the Zeeb, um, poked around on there, and uh, August 3rd or something, I started creating Time. There were a couple of release schedules in there. Um, so within a month I had sort of an alpha version and then by the end of the year the beta version was out mm-hmm. this is the second beta um, I don't know okay. even, yeah. I don't know. I'm a conlanger that's my introduction <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that you got into conlanging uh, what you said eight years ago that would be like yeah. 2004, and you didn't find the was forums it? at that time. You f- didn't find them until 2008. Yeah, well, I still remember a friend of mine um, passing in the hall, and was like, oh, how do you do something or other? So my friend goes, this is the internet age, Google it. And <laughs> that was pretty much when I actually got onto the internet. <laughs> Yeah, well, well see, was, I live on the internet, so... Um, what? That took some persistence to find the Zeeb. Like, I was Googling around and trying to find new conlang forums, and it took me, I don't know, three or four tries to actually find one. Huh. You know, in the meantime, I'm distracted by, ooh, here's a cool article on something cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the normal level of internet distraction. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, there's 
the certain points of the internet can can turn into a black hole of distraction, like you know TV tropes. But you know, in general, it's always very distracting. Um, anyway, so talking about Taiying specifically now. Um, so you have an effective grammar up, which still has a bunch of notes in it. It looks like it's sort of a a document in progress. Um, but, like all uh, documents, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, all conlangs. But, I mean, the, the, this, this isn't like a, a, a finished edition of the, the grammar. It's, it's sort of an intermediary document, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, um, I just have to put up with the hassle of putting my notes in a second document. I don't mm-hmm. really care if somebody's one. Okay. Um, I was very interested in your, um, uh, so I always kind of start with looking at the phonology and I see, you know, it's the, the phoneme inventory is not, is, is fairly simple. It has geminates, but, uh, uh, it, and it has some, Otter diphthongs, I, I, and a, and o, o instead of o. Is that uncommon? Um, it. I don't think it's that uncommon. It's just it. The, they strike me as odd. Uh, the, William William may may say, "Oh, George, you're stupid," but uh, <laughs> no, I would never say such a thing. <laughs> um, one thing I'm very curious about is what exactly it is going on with the tonal system because the the way that you describe it makes me makes it sound like there is syllables that have tone and syllables that don't have tone which yeah. it seems like a weird way to do it um what what exactly is going on when well, with no, it's with just that? that some syllables are marked tone and some of them are unmarked tone okay so and depending on the dialect, the marked tone will be realized differently. So I figure in the standard dialect, marked is high falling and unmarked is just plain. Okay. So is this a kind of pitch accent system like ancient Greek or I think I've, Serb- I actually Serbian debated, or Czech? I actually debated calling it pitch accent, but from what I could figure out about what pitch accent is, I decided not to go with that and just call it phonemic two-level tone. Okay. Okay. But so the, so the name of the language does that have a tone on the accent to the e? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it, it's 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 stated in here that his, your your acute accent is is marked tone. So what is the then what happens in unmarked tone is that the I guess you have a section on tone sandy around is it just that the the unmarked tone has some contour that feeds into mark tones or what um i actually put anything tone sandy yet oh um the tone sandy i've only figured out so far as if you have um marked marked that's um high and then high falling okay so, so, so you have i'm um, just i'm just uh, curious as a, sorry I think that's a, go ahead i'm just curious as to what the unmarked tone does because like I know in, in, in Mandarin there's a neutral tone and I'm kind of thinking your unmarked tone is 
is sort of like the neutral tone, which is in manner it's like a, a continuation of the tone of the last syllable or or uh, just sort of like in the middle somehow. But I don't yeah. know what is that how you envision your neutral tone or have you really figured that out yet or what? It's just in the middle. It's just sort of yeah. okay. All right. And you do have um you do have a a good bit of uh you have send the processes you have very uh very uh well defined phonotactics and very odd phonotactics. I I imagine that if we we got uh do you have audio samples anywhere or can you produce tie-in live uh because I have a feeling it would have a very unique sound to it because of the I way the font actually work. Did you not get um my email with the oh, sample? I may, oh, okay. I'll have to pull that, that up. Would probably because um, I, mean, I can produce it, but I would have <laughs> to practice. <laughs> but, oh, okay. That was, that was one of the points in the design was that I wanted the phonemes to be you know, really quite simple. But then play with phony and phonotactics and you know, mess up the phonetic level more. Uh-huh. Um, so bef- before we go too much further, could you give us a little background? I mean, there's a, a somewhat complicated in-world background yeah. for this language. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Is that even still in play? I mean, yeah. It's just so much of a back burner and okay. subject change as I learn plate tectonics. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, once you're a con, what, anything, there's a good chance you'll be a con something else. Yeah. Um, Amadar, well, Cayenne is spoken in this nation called Amadar, uh, which I'm not, I got, uh, I'm, the origin story is probably going to change. But the point is that eventually Amadar mixes up a bunch of different ethnic and linguistics groups or linguistic groups. Um, and then out of that, they try and eventually get to Tyane as a very slowly developed Creole. Mm. Don't know um, how realistic that is. Um, um, okay, so um, have you done historical work on Tyane? Or, um, well, I know a couple of classes, but I'm doing it the way that you guys don't recommend, which is build your target language and then work backwards from it. (laughs) (laughs) I do that sometimes too. I do that sometimes too. Yeah, a certain amount of back and forth, I think, is expected because most of us design a language with an end goal, a very particular end goal in mind. And I don't think it's obviously insane to sometimes want to work backwards from that with a little, a little mix and match going on. Yeah. You, you, the, I, there's nothing necessarily wrong with working backwards. I think starting with your language, with your end point and then working backwards is a little bit harder, but that's, yeah. that's, that's all it is. Um, I think what your end point is helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm set horrible because i just went forward with no goal yeah i mean i think i uh, the little bit of historical work i've done 
came out of figuring out a little bit about my end goal and making a few words and then figuring out what sound changes create those words. Um, anyway, I do have your your uh, sound sample now. I, I had to uh, download it and pull it up. So um, I'm going to play that a little bit. So, um, I'm not hearing anything on your end. I'm not hearing anything at all. That was weird. What kind of noise? I don't know. I just saw a green bar show up. I was like, oh, it's it, it's it's probably just uh, very low level stuff um, that uh, we won't hear. Anyway, um, let's let's listen to a little bit of Taiyang. <laughs> Okay. So that's pretty good. I mean, that sounds quite fluid and fluent for something that you <laughs> are a little hesitant to produce spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I did practice that. It took me, I want to say, half an hour to an hour to produce that. That's all? That's not bad. <laughs> you didn't spend all day? Just... <laughs> Uh, but it's just like, you know, you try a line, and then you screw up, and then you stop, and you start instantly. Like, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Hmm. I should point out, that's not actually the tie-in that's in the effective grammar. I mean, the phonetics are close enough, um, but there have been changes in the grammar and the syntax that subtly affect it. But hmm. Okay, so that's that's an earlier version then. Yeah. Okay. Is the tone structure pretty much the same? My tone should be the same. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I've not messed with tones that much, so I'm not messing with them here that much either. All right. Yeah, I didn't really hear tone that much really tonal stuff in that, so I, I I'm sure if I went back and listened a few times, I could I could attune myself to it. But um, uh, well, it, of course, I don't know a tonal language, mm. so <laughs> I don't want to like over exaggerate. But I may have ended up under exaggerating. Mm. Now that I heard um, a time when you speaker give a linguistics lecture that he had no business giving. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, beginners can over chew on their tones when they're first learning them. That's certainly true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, anyone who's had Mandarin is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would, I would suggest like not even listen to Mandarin speakers, but find a language that has like a two tone system and listen to that because you having just the two different tones and the 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 rather odd, interesting choices of tones as well. Um, one thing I find is that the more distinctive tones you have the sort of wider the tone space in someone's speech is. Because, like, when I when you listen to Mandarin speakers, uh, even when you hear them speak English, their, their intonation is not that wacky. Uh, but when you listen to uh, someone with a Cantonese accent speaking English, their intonation goes all over the place. And it's because it's a little bit... I've listened to Mandarin, native Mandarin speakers speak Cantonese, and native Cantonese speakers speak Mandarin, and you can tell 
by the way that they pronounce the tones where the which which side they come from <laughs> yeah uh one good example of a two-tone language is navajo or apache yeah so anyway we don't want to get too hung up on just one feature of the phonology huh. yeah we've, we've talked a lot about phonology and i i don't want to belabor it too much so we can we can talk a little bit on other points uh I don't know. William, did you have any... Oh? Um, in Eric? the grammar, I do have what Canapari calls a phonosynthesis. It's got nice tone charts that probably clarify, would clarify a lot. Okay. Not necessarily oh, okay. I suppose we should mention to listeners that there are a bunch of documents... Um, that you uh-huh. get from the website where Tayane exists. And we're mostly going to be working from the effective grammar, but there are a bunch of other things um, I expect to talk So Eric, go ahead. There's a readme in there, so you don't know what each file is supposed to do. I've never had a language with a readme. What a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> anyway. Um, the reason I wanted to go back to, to talk about the in-world history a little bit is because at different points of the grammar, you talk about which bit this or that feature is coming from. So I thought that was interesting. Um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, the two to, main inputs are Kivin and, oh, which I'm horribly mispronounced, and our Elvish, which doesn't uh-huh. have a name yet. Hmm. Um, uh, so, I honestly just randomly pick one or the other. I have no idea where any of Tiny is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my one of my favorite things is you have throughout this thing you uh, stick in uh, references to other dialects. So like your your grammar document is on sort of a general standard a standard uh, Tiny, but you will point out that this is different in this or that dialect throughout the uh, grammar. Yeah, and at um, some point, I'm going to have names for all of them. Mm-hmm. You, I you also... In nouns, I have a lot of dialectal difference. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The, the difficulty is, because they're all spread out, I don't know what I've done for dialects, so I'm going to have to like collate them at some point. Oh, dear. Yes. Oh yeah, you should you should you should put like at least like a list for each of the dialects to to put down the specific dialect specific features down yeah. just so well, that you have that for your notes. It might also require that I build some geography, which is dependent on plate tectonics again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Back to, to plate tectonics. <laughs> Yeah, that, well, I think, um, when we mentioned, um, we didn't mention plate tectonics, but we, when we did our episode on Con Langy for Con Worlds, we did kind of talk about geography really affects, um, not, well, it affects where dialects form, where boundaries between languages are, and all that kind of thing. Um, just little interesting things. I, I, it seems like you have a very good eye for odd little details that you can make to make your 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 conlang just that much more interesting. Because I noticed, like in under nouns, uh, 
when you have zero of something, you use the singular, whereas like English uses the plural. Um, yeah, that that kind of caught my eye a little bit. Uh, um, I'm sure that's something that occurs in other languages. It's just the yeah. and the way you form plurals is a little uh, wacky in the first place. It's it's a, a very uh, sort of interesting, uh, complicated uh, morpheme uh, in in that it has a few different things that it does to the stem and such. That's that's for one of the noun systems, I think. There are actually three noun systems in play. Mm. Oh, okay. That's for... The two languages met and, like, exploded or something. So you have... <laughs> oh, okay. Nouns that use a singular plural, um, sort of some nouns that use singular collective, and a third that, like, combines features of both. Oh, okay. Is there any, like... Is there any semantic purpose to that, or is okay? Yeah, it, it, section on nouns is probably the best part of the grammar mm-hmm. because I had like nothing else to do during that time. <laughs> I, was, I was being really disciplined about it. Uh-huh. So uh, every there count mass and form nouns, and every time I introduce a new one, I'm like. Blah blah blah. These things fall into the category, but there are exceptions. And then uh-huh. I get some exceptions. Yeah. What What motivated the the semantic split for the noun classes that you came up with? Because I'm I'm not sure I've encountered anything like that in a natural language. Of course, someone will post a comment explaining that yeah. there is. But could you go into that a little bit and explain what your I mean, what inspired that? Was that just you were feeling in a mood that day, or what? Um. There's some of it was I was in a mood. Um, yeah, there's sort of philosophical, um, goal, sort of, not, that's really misleading, but I guess, well, for some of it, you know, probably liquids are not count nouns, you know, that makes sense. I have to actually look at the the actual distinctions I've made again. Mm -hmm. Well, what, so what, so what, so, Okay. The the categories are count noun and mass noun, correct? And form noun. Oh, which form is, noun. Yeah. Yeah. Page okay, which okay, which is a a different thing. Um. So yeah. you you split those two three things. I have not heard of any language that has anything like form nouns, as far as I'm looking at. Um. Yeah. The big the thing with them is that the I think the singular collective paradigm, but they can also form a plural. Uh huh. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, as you were saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, like form nouns. Some of the distinctions are pretty obvious. You know, abstract nouns are more likely to be form or mass. You know, solid objects are more likely to be count, mm-hmm. um, unless they're really small, like a grain of sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've invented the word sand yet. Um, maybe the weird distinction is because I use a lot of different sort of cutoff points um, and they interact in weird ways. Mm-hmm. 
Now, are there... Well, you sort of expect weird interactions to happen once you have multiple classes of nouns, weird interactions. I can't imagine how you would avoid it. <laughs> now, are the is what, are nouns dis, uh, determined what class they are? Like each noun is a certain class by by its nature, yes. or could you use them? Like, say, you, if you're talking about a grain of sand, like five grains of sand, use the one form, and then form nouns would be for a different form, like in, in a hourglass. Um, I think there are qualifiers that handle stuff like grain of or bottle of. Mm. Okay. I haven't okay. really done that depth. So the, the, you, so you don't really have, uh, you don't use the the noun classes in any sort of derivational way. Yeah, it's just it's just an anatic property of the noun. Yeah, but, but okay. well, it'll influence um, morphology and derivational morphology. Like if you turn an adjective into a noun becomes one of the three forms depending I can't remember why it becomes one of the three uh, does does it depend on the specific uh, morphology you use or what um, you mean morphology of the adjective of like the derivation well, yeah what well, like um, what what affix you yeah. tack onto it or whatever I can't remember all the ways to derive a noun from stuff. So I'm just oh, so hedging. Okay. Yeah, no, that's. Oh, okay. I mean, it, it just it, it just sounds to me like a gender system that still has enough semantics hanging around it that that you can make some generalizations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, so you normally don't see, a, you know, plural a paradigm shift between genders. I guess that's true. That's true. Um, right. So we'll call them noun classes for now. Yeah. yeah. Trying to. Th- I mean, that's what we are. Th- yeah. Um. I'm al- I'm almost in, I I I'm almost almost inclined just to call them different declensions just because I don't know do you have any agreement or anything? Um, I don't think I have agreements with nouns. Yeah, I think the only so, place I have agreement is vocative stuff. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, obviously, with the vocatives are fun. That was actually mm-hmm. because normally when I'm laying, um. Uh, like usually, if I have audio input, it'll be from this show. <laughs> so I'm sure I was just listening to Will talking about greedy grammar, and was like, mm. I don't know how to do vocatives, so I greedied them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, what feature of grammar was grabbed to be evocative? Um, pronoun prefixes. Where is that? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, word level proforms. Page 37, I think, has stuff. 37. I also have a sample text that uses evocative, uh-huh. which is why I had to invent it. Uh. Right. In, on page 37, you defer the question evocatives to a later construction, to a later oh. <laughs> section. Maybe it's in there. Raised level. Yes, constructions. Yeah. Okay, so... What page is this? 54. 54. Of course. Who else would I translate Shakespeare for an example? Hmm. Oh, okay. So, so, but what you did was you took, so you took uh, pronominal prefixes and 
those also uh, uh, exist as vocatives then? Well, sort of. I mean, the vocative noun still appears. Um, the tayane is verb, subject, object, normally. But uh-huh. a vocative appears in a particle position just after the verb. So you might get some weird confusion going on if you just throw a vocative in there. Oh, so okay. to mark that, hey, first noun is evocative, you put a pronoun prefix onto the verb. Oh. And that'll have to... Nifty. Hmm. That's oh. good. I, I, like, I, like, I like using... Yes, good. But how do you say, hey, numbskull, <laughs> look out? Do you have to... Um, do you have to... Do you have to do you have to tell them to look out before you get to the numbskull part? I have I have not done much at the discourse level. Okay. So I don't know what the um dangerous register sounds like. Okay. <laughs> well, so I was saying I, I was glad I was able to think of numbskull. I was just remembering I had a friend who did field work in a part of Africa where they have elephants in the jungle. And they are very, very dangerous. And she always mm. remembers a certain Bayaka phrase, which basically meant, hey, moron, but it's sort of ruder than that. There's an <laughs> elephant. Stop moving. Be quiet. Um, which is, seems like a useful phrase to have. Um, so that's nice. So greedy grammar. Good. Good. Greedy grammar. I type and post that, but now I can't use my computer without sending key clicks through the microphone. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's no problem. We get we get lots of little clicky sounds, um, so yeah. basically that's that's a really interesting. That's that's a great way to uh, throw that in. It is an odd thing to have your your vocatives be in a particular place, but I guess. Um, well, it is analytic, I guess. More or less, yeah. There, there are. Um, I can understand uh, things to that you could do that for. Um, lo- looking at your dictionary, your dictionary is formatted very nicely. Um, it's surprisingly uh, nice. The amount of source code that went into it. Huh. <laughs> Yay, LaTeX! Yeah. Um, nice. You and you also have some some very interesting long sort of def- definitions, uh, like you have. And even like some some interesting things that go with your your classes or whatever, like uh, what you have Boros Vin to originate to spring, and it says used exclusively with form nouns, almost always takes adverbial postpositional phrase indi- indicating source. When used without a postposition. The subject is implied to be in endless supply. I love it when when conlangers actually have some usage notes on some of their words because it's mm-hmm. it helps to uh, define it and 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 set it into a, a more sort of a unique position rather than just ending up relaxing uh, uh, an Eng- uh, being a gloss for an English word or something. Yeah. Well. I think a lot of that is I've never considered the dictionary all that important. And then between William and DJP, you guys have been beating it into my head like since the beginning of the universe. 
that the dictionary is the language. So <laughs> they probably try to overcompensate it. And on borders mean, uh, look at it. It has a different meaning if you use it transitively mm-hmm. instead of intransitive. So the definition you read out was the intransitive one. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, and there's a separate entry for the uh, transitive. One thing I might suggest if, is you do the, like, superscript one and two when you have two different entries, um, but that's uh, a minor I would, thing. I would, but because because I'm formatting, what I give in the dictionary how I'm doing this is that I actually keep all this data in an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay for stuff like cross-referencing word shapes with definitions. Mm-hmm. So I end up just putting um, homonyms on different lines. Mm. Oh, okay. Pasted well, into LaTeX where magic happens. and <laughs> I guess I, I can end. understand that then. Um, so you and just end up with... In three to five years, I'll actually build um, a dictionary program that works and does everything. Hmm. Yes, all commenters will worship you. Yes, yes. We get on that. (laughs) Just just stop whatever you're doing. Just stop whatever you're doing. Uh, Quit your job and do that right now for us because we really (laughs) need it. (laughs) We need you. Try to get something like mine in my grad school. (laughs) (laughs) No, but. uh, Every every time I go up an academic level, my GPA improves. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, I think that so, happened to I, me a little bit. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Sorry, you're you're breaking up, mad, mad, mad town Madly. right now. So. Mad bad. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say there, but you you're, you're breaking up quite a bit right now. So it's kind of. Um, <laughs> difficult for us to keep the 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 dialogue going but um it is very interesting um uh i i i but without with that one little caveat i really do really like your um dictionary it it seems like it tells me all the stuff that i need to know about uh any particular word i happen to look up um you have some i don't know and you have some selected stuff that you haven't really defined yet. It looks like you're going to give the basic colors in terms of actually taking a, a, a like an RGB slot chart and cutting it up, right? Well, so you, yeah, so you're in selected lexicon section. So now I've I've finished carving up RGB. More or less. I mean, as uh-huh. well as I can fit a three-dimensional color space into a two-dimensional document. Um, uh-huh. Just carving it up. I just need to assign names to all the little pieces. Mm. Yeah, but it looks like you can. I I see you have you have sort of red, yellow, green, blue. Do you have what? Are you distinguishing blue and light blue, or is that just white? Uh, no, that's know. just white. I decided oh, to put okay. long cyan in this white because cyan is weird. Oh, okay. So, that works. Um, I, I like that you did that, though, because you can see fairly clearly how how these people will talk about color. Um, Where is yeah. this? What are you looking at? Um, page 58. Yeah. 
Oh, I he see. Doesn't have, he doesn't have names for it, but he has the, the space divided up. Um, well, and it's a little misleading. Obviously, it's, the distinctions are not as fine-grained as I've drawn them there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, it's, if you do end and, up using it, use the color picker because you will get optical illusions with all the colors being right next to each other. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so are, so, are the speakers imagined to be mostly human, not human at all? Um, basically, the situation is more like Numenor, where there are a bunch of half-elves and okay. a whole lot of interracial stuff. Shenanigans. Okay. Yeah. Well, it depends on the origin story, which I haven't nailed down yet. Mm-hmm. It's, but, it, yeah, it's um, human-based, elven-based. Yeah. yeah. I don't the, know. The, um, the, the, um, sound sample you gave sounded a little bit elvish to me, but I didn't want to say that, uh, earlier because, because I didn't want to, you to take it the wrong way. Anyway. No. Well, I'm, I'm like, I mentioned I started with Quenya and Sindarin, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elvish but, is not much of but I need to try and figure out something new to do with the elves, which is hard. Yeah, it's. It is a the they've been played, the the it almost feels like they've been played out in so much fantasy that you don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but the I this, turned them into mall rats. <laughs> yes, and I, I borrowed that language, idea. Which I've never really finished. Where I've turned all the elves into eternal living mall rats. <laughs> I have who to, are obsessed with fashion and oh so gosh. Well, William, I have to uh, uh, show you this story where I incorporated your mall elves, elves and see what you like, what you think about that. Um, I haven't, I haven't finished that story either, but I, uh, I got a good start on it. Um, anyway, um, can we backtrack from the dictionary and go back to the verbs a little bit? Sure. Yeah, sure. Let's let's talk about Oops. verbs a bit. So, Eric, what was your inspiration for the verbs? Because there are one or two interesting things. I mean, surprising things that you do there. In particular, I'm interested in the fact that you have a special deontic mood, which is just used for, um, it looks like, um, dependency with certain modal verbs. Yeah. Actually, I have a hard time remembering what deontic is supposed to do. Because Page 27. I haven't, I haven't ended up using it that much. Oh. Which sort of implies maybe it was a poor choice. Well, that's... Uh, that's something well, I'll that's... when I actually like, release a full version. Okay. Yeah. It says only to use to agree with modal auxiliary verbs. It covers situations of possibility, necessity, permission, obligation. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think uh, mood is um all the the tense aspect moods and really any grammatical concept. You need to have some. You need to pull up some examples and see and think about how you're going to use it. But I think mood is especially just because. It's so yeah. tricky because no language actually just uses the moods just for their core meaning. There's always little mood tricks that have odd different meanings and stuff. Um, the, the they may have some special uh, things having to do with. Uh, when there's a serial verb or or there's a, a subordinate clause or they may have some special interaction with tense or aspect or something. But, yeah, it, it, you just need to you need to play around with 
your sentences and figure out what your moods are going to do. Well, as Eric said, he finds he's not using it, so... <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe that's something you'll cut eventually, or maybe you'll find a use for it somewhere. Um, the... The aspect stuff is really funky because it seems like a mis- a mix of aspect and topicality is being marked there, which is interesting. It's, yeah. Well, that was actually... So, in my Japanese, I had a really hard time um, actually remembering to use either mass form or can mass form. And it's like, I know when I should use it. I can plot everything out on a timeline. If, if I ha- take the time and figure out where all the going on, I know which one to use. I'm sorry, that was the mass form and the what form? Kmas. Okay, I, I haven't taken too much Japanese, so I'm not familiar with that. Um, well, it's usually stated more like te form, or not Kmas, from Keiru, or Kmas. Okay. So, but that's hmm. usually like te form, the main verb, and then you add a form of the word to go. Ah. Uh. You can figure out it's imperfective, but mm. I haven't really done the research. Hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, so aspect, the aspect was inspired by the fact that I didn't want to do perfective imperfective. Uh-huh. Um, mm. Okay. But I still, like, languages need an aspect. I mean, it, unless you're just going to cut all verb inflection you're probably going to have an aspect in there. So nothing really caught my eye on the wiki page. And I started doing my Japanese timeline diagram things, but I put different things on a timeline. So yeah, actually I kind of like Will's, Will's way of describing it, that there's an aspect part and a topic part. Because mm-hmm. you decide between either ascendant or descendant, aspect, um, depending on what point in time you want to focus on in um, Mm. the text. And fortunately, I don't have very good examples of that. Mm. Still, it's an interesting interesting mix of of things to do. I mean, you do have aspect because you've already said you have the the gnomic aspect is also used for habitual actions, and voila! Aspect. Mm -hmm. That sort of... That always strikes me as ancillary. You know, if you want to throw in a nomic or a habitual, it seems like a separate little subsystem. Uh-huh. That's probably just me. Like, it, it does <laughs> seem a little bit separate or something. Um, I mean, I do like again the the hungriness of grammar that you've that you've got um, the habitual also being used for sort of distressing. So this word we're saying nomic, g n o m i c, is is used to indicate sort of general universally true things. Um, which, by the way, is the completely opposite decision that ancient Greek went with, which it used something like a perfective for the nomic. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, any language can pick pick, pick whichever one makes sense to them. There's a, a good... Oh, yeah. There we go. One could easily imagine a modern-day UFO theorist defending his theories based on his single UFO experience using economic. There's a pattern as well. It's (laughs) interesting use cases of some of this stuff. But a lot lot of the 
Groovy Grammar is I sit down at Wiki and I search on aspects. I look at the big chart of aspects. And I'm like, ooh, I don't have this aspect. Instead of adding an aspect, figure out the construction that will convey that aspect. Good. Yeah. I like, um, this is just basically just notes area, but it looks like you're planning on having both verb copula, copula verb copulas and non-verb copulas or verb-like copulas and copulas that are not like verbs. Uh, yeah. Do you have any plans other than what's... What, you may or may not do that? I may or may not have any idea what I'm doing there. <laughs> okay, so then I won't I won't directly uh, ask you a question about it, but hopefully that This is not unusual. You can get all sorts of things, especially demonstrative pronouns, mm-hmm. demonstrative pronouns turning into um, copulas. So you get all sorts of weird things that look kind of like conjugation, but are really agreement. Um, <laughs> but, you know, can't be tensed because the copula is weird in the first place. So, I mean, the, the interesting question to me, I mean, it's not obviously insane that you might have multiple kinds of copulas. The okay. point then becomes, what's the use cases? What do you use one for versus one versus another? Yeah. But I found in this case, it's just um, whether the, um, whether their inflectional paradigms are close to being verby or whether they're just completely not following the verb pattern. See, it's just all these little design decisions that are so fun. And then there's a semantic, a slight semantic dis- distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it Sense. looks like you have some notes that you're going to put some semantic distinctions in there. Um, yeah. I didn't think I was going to do that. I just noticed I might put evidentiality in verb like, like oh. uh, reading it from probably keeping. Huh. That's interesting. Huh. Um, and other than that, you have, I don't know, you have. Post positions and seemingly apparently VSO post positions is wrong according to universals. It's yeah, weird. I don't know. I, I would. I would hesitate. I mean, that was one of the first things I thought. Oh, that's unusual. But I don't know that. I, I'm not prepared to say there is no human language that has that or does not. No, have nor that. am I. But it's apparently extremely uncommon. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well, don't. Well, don't worry about it though. Because any language will have some typological f- fuzziness. Yeah. yeah, I only found that out after I'd already um, chosen the, the syntax. Uh-huh. Yeah, I always hate it when I discover that. Like, oh, I did this <laughs> thing that is yeah. having a serious fight with the verb alignment or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you can... I think there... There's like reasons why those why prepositions and and verb initial tend to go together, and as long as you have, well, even when it does create ambiguities, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But you know, as long as it's not, you know, causing serious syntax problems, it's gonna be fine. It just It'll it'll cause yeah. syntax to go in odd directions. Yeah, and I don't think like I can't think of um, syntax like a word order reason 
why post positions would be any more, oops, any more ambiguous than um, prepositions, regardless of your, of your mm-hmm. um, sentence. Yeah. I think it's more, nec- not necessarily ambiguity, but uh, the structure can be weird. But that's fine. There's plenty of languages that are even weirder. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, 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 you know, you already picked it. Just go with that, I think. I don't think there's any reason you should you should have any need to change that. It's it's cool the way it is. Um uh, and you have prod forms that they distinguish person and number. Um, At some point yeah. in my entry, have pro verbs and pro adjectives. I think I actually have oh, that's some cool. pro adjectionary. What is a pro adject a pro adjective? Um, such. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. it's kind of that's weird, interesting. I actually hate such as a pro adjective or pro anything. I don't know. Uh, I guess, I guess you can. Hmm. Pro verbs are useful though. I'm just trying to think of um, George. You, you, like, and this is like a bunch of people have this trait that like you end a sentence with and such. <laughs> I, have no idea. I have no idea what's going on theoretically there. <laughs> and such. Uh, yeah. I guess it means it means something similar to etc. But yeah, I mean sometimes. It means obvious, and then yeah, What's I don't know. Part? It's it's. I'm I'm sure um, if if there there's professional linguists in the audience, they could uh, they could take my speech and analyze uh, what what my use of and such is, uh, and and figure out what it probably has some discourse meaning. I don't think anybody's interested enough to do that right now, but <laughs> someone's probably done the work. <laughs> if if you have taken the time to transcribe Con Langry episodes for <laughs> linguistics work, well, please send me those transcripts because some people would like to read them. <laughs> um, just as I'm sort of jumping around, one thing that that struck me. Um, on page 51, you have different kinds of predication. That's interesting. Fun things can happen there in natural languages. Um, probably, I don't, I can't think of a natural language that distinguishes all of these identity, essence, state, classification, and location, but certainly, um, you may get clumps of those in various breakdowns. So that's interesting. I mean, it's just notes here, but it's good that you've thought about, I think. This actually was. I couldn't figure out where to, you know, which order to put stuff in. Um, I don't know if it's noted there, but there's a note in discourse level. Yeah, page fifty-five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we give a couple examples about um, um, say those depending on how a question is phrased and how a copulative answer is the order in which the copulative answer is given. It can have a different um, focus or topic. Okay. Sure. sure. Oh, okay. That makes sense. It's, it looks cool when it's right out in English. Yeah. Yeah, I see. You just have sort of Eng- English semi glossy examples, but uh, yeah, it's it's sort of a little bit of notes. Word order in the copulate sentence. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be weird. They can they can be quite strange, especially if you have a noun like copula. Then all sorts of funkiness can follow from that. Okay. So, um, relatively subtle stuff. Stuff like can you switch order or not? Mm-hmm. And then what are some of them? Just be um, what constituents do they take? And then maybe can't tell the difference. Right. Right. I mean, as you mentioned, something that just reminds me that another thing that's interesting about this grammar that you've written, as opposed to many conlang grammars, is you include bad examples. Right. Yeah. You include examples that are that are marked incorrect, just to just as a point of contrast, which is neat. Oh yeah, the the ungrammatical examples. I I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you have he does have that. Uh, there was another have, context did. That had that, and I think that's what inspired it. Uh, yeah. um, Ayeri, I think. Yeah. Pardon? I, yeah, I was going to say, I think that was Ayeri. Yeah, it's Karsten Becker's language. He, he included a lot of, this is bad. Um, and yeah, I noticed in, in the sort of in-world discussion of the language, you talk about language, you know, you know, you talk about school teachers being upset about changes in grammar in the language, which amused me. <laughs> yeah. I mean... That's such a trope in English, even if you're not a linguist. You yeah. know how to be an English teacher. It seems like it should be an important thing in the combine. Oh, I think I think probably most uh, languages where there's any level of sort of writing education going on, the there's there's <laughs> some some odd stuff like that. I mean, you know, you have the Academie Française and stuff like that. Well, uh, that's oh, yeah. a weird case. That's a special case. No, but no, we even have, you know, um, exercises in cuneiform, you know, lamenting the horrible grammar of the current generation. So, <laughs> it is please that old, tell me, old, ancient pastime. T- please tell me somebody has translations of those that I can read. Sure. Um, um, for, for a while, you could um, get a t shirt that said in. Um, Akkadian, the scribe who does not know Sumerian, what kind of scribe is he? <laughs> that was from, oh, I forget the company. There's a, a, a publishing house that specializes, or a bookstore that specializes in ancient Near Eastern stuff, and they have funny um, holiday, um, and especially um, April Fool's things. But we've, we've gone a little astray. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else we want to talk about? About the grammar, I was going to ask Eric at the end to mention, you know, if there's anything that we missed that he thought was especially important, but we have been at it a while now. Yeah, I, I was just going to put in a last call for for, for things people want to say about Tayane. And, and uh, um, Mike, do you have any questions for Eric or? Mike? We haven't lost him again, have we? That's weird. He's on here. Skype thinks he's, he's online. here. online. But... I don't know. Uh, well, uh, we'll we'll just I'll just go ahead and give you your last word. Um, <laughs> Mike is furiously trying to to let us know that he's here. There. Um, uh, I'll I'll see if he can figure out how to get his mic turned back on and. Uh, uh, Eric, you can point out to us any any little interesting things that you think we missed. Um, I 
don't know. We didn't go over syntax that much, but I can't. I also can't remember anything about the syntax. <laughs> the, oh, I the, should the, um, go ahead. Uh, the grammar didn't seem to have that much syntax in it, did it? And maybe that's something that's a little sketchy and a little bit mostly Hello. in your head or something. Can you hear me? Hey, now? Mike. Hey, yes, can you hear me? Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, I was just about to say you asked me for input, and I said I know I've been kind of quiet this whole time, and then you guys are like, "Hello, Mike, you can hear us." <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but um, as I was saying, um, I know I've been kind of quiet this whole time, but I really do enjoy hearing, uh, you know, a conlanger speak about their conlang, and just I'm more like looking at what you're saying and reflecting it. Um, more of an observer than a poking and dissecting kind of guy. But, um, I think that it's really, really great. And really, I love the way you've laid out the, uh, the effective grammar. And it seems very nice and clear to read through. So, um, short answer. No, I don't have any, no, I don't have any other questions, but it's just, uh, I love hearing about it and it's great. Okay. Uh, and then again, back to Eric, you said, uh, you you wanted to mention some syntax stuff, but you weren't exactly sure what what to talk about for that. Well, I think part of the reason syntax looks um, sketchy is because um, I haven't finished um, moving all the syntax from the reference grammar. Particularly, um, passives are completely ignored in the effective grammar. They're just in the reference grammar, which the reference grammar is a pain to read. Um, oh, okay. I think I have some passives thrown in in my sample texts, which are really well annotated with grammar notes. Um, okay. Well, um, yeah, I I noticed you changed the uh, the way you put together your grammar between the reference grammar and your current effective grammar. The first one, the the reference grammar was sort of uh, a traditional um, uh, phonology. Well, you break it down by fields a little bit, and then the uh, uh, with phonology and lexicon, morphology, syntax, semantics. And then on the effective grammar, I think you took the the SIL-style grammar where you have word level and uh, sentence level and discourse level and stuff. Um, I didn't realize Sill used that. Hmm? I didn't realize Sill used that. So something similar to that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just uh, program this language. But yeah, there's there is quite a bit more. That there is a, a whole section of syntax in the reference grammar. I see now. So, is there anything you would want to point out um, about? I don't know. You mentioned uh, passives. It looks like you have two different types of passives. Oh, you're in the reference grammar now. Yeah. How does those work? I one of them. I know there's um a discourse reason why you'd use one or the other. Um, um, you have the implicit and the explicit. If I'm looking at the right thing. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, it's, so it says the. The explicit passivization expresses that the agent or doter has a strong responsibility, whether good or bad. That's 
kind of yeah. hilarious that you <laughs> decided well, to make that. Well, I, put, I put it that way because, I mean, it's like, you know, if you use passive in Japanese, that's because the guy who actually did the action, the donor, is um, is doing something bad. Mm. But I didn't want to necessarily put that negative connotation on it. Uh-huh. It could be positive, or, but there is a connotation. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, I think um, Chinese yeah. passives can have sort of a... A somewhat negative um, connotation, but the, it's it's sort of a weak connotation there. Um, so that's. Any... Oh, go ahead. I was just talking to myself. <laughs> oh, was, um, so that's an interesting that you have the two different types of passivization. I'd have to kind of read into these thick paragraphs in order to figure out what. See, I wasn't even. I never even looked at the the reference grammar. All I'd I'd seen is yeah, the effective yeah. grammar. So, um, and, yeah. And uh, at some point, I'm just away the reference grammar because yeah, it's, it's that turgid. I I I strongly uh, suggest, if I may make a suggestion, that when you move your um, Syntax section over, you, um, I'm sure you're thinking of this already, but when you move that over and you rewrite it for the effective grammar, you should, uh, include some actual, um, examples with glosses so that oh, yeah. we can see what's going on. Uh, some of that already. Some of yeah. it is just like, warning, put examples here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you're you, you're thinking about doing that already. It's just that uh, I'm looking at it and I see a bunch of paragraphs and no examples and uh, syntax. I like to see examples so I know what's going on. Um, well, while we're on that topic, um, I'll make George happy. So if you look on page fifty-two, um, I have some examples on it. But the first example there is the famous "I ate a Greek." Oh, I saw that one. I ate a grape. Yeah, yep. it was right oh. by the uh, basic clauses or something like that. In the effective grammar. <laughs> yeah, I see that. That was an example George used, isn't it? I forget which episode. <laughs> where, 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 where is that coming from? Um, I, there were some language you were talking about, and it was um, like you were annoyed that all the example sentences in the syntax were incredibly complicated. It would be nice. If, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's, so you just no. said I ate a grape. I think Bianca may have suggested that, or or maybe me say, suggested I oh. ate a grape actually as one of the the, the examples you could use. Uh, now, question, <laughs> quick question on that is: um, looks like the first person's marked for nominative, but the grape is not marked for uh, accusative. Uh, um, no. Hmm. Oh, uh, we haven't even got to qualifiers, which is. Disappointing. Huh. <laughs> um, but well, case case is not marked on the noun. Yeah. Um, it is marked in pronouns. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there are two cases that are only marked on pronouns. Mm. Um, case actually is a suffix on a qualifier. Okay. Yeah, I see qualifier, qualifier phase. Yeah. Qualifier is sort of like a determiner. But it does mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff. Like does it? Mm-hmm. Quantification, Dakes' case. There's a list somewhere. And, Does it, uh. I'm sorry, go on. Yeah. Oh, uh, but you can drop the qualifier in 
numerous everyday cases. So you often just drop the qualifier and case goes with it. Is it more like an article in English or more like a, like a, a particle in Japanese? Uh, or neither? Well, it's weird. Uh. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see much stuff on qualifiers. Where are the, where's, is there it's, any meaty stuff on it? Page yeah, 46 mentions it. Qualifiers. Yeah, I saw that, but. I've got bookmarks in the PDF, too. Really? Yeah, if you haven't opened, like, the bookmarks tray or whatever it's called. Ooh, I see that now. Oh, well, um, I'm looking oh, at it are. on Google Docs, so I can't really oh, see. That, would, that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, for, even for, for, you know, a language with lots of design notes, we can hardly cover every single thing that it does. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked at all about, really, the morphology of the verb, which is kind of hairy and interesting. Very. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to, to, to give examples. Yeah. Still not sure, but I don't want to change it. So Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately so the, we can't uh-huh. um really go for too much longer. But uh yeah. Mike, what were you gonna uh say? I was, I was just gonna say so the um the qualifier. There aren't really a lot of examples of qualifiers used in a sentence and that one I ate a grape example doesn't I I didn't notice a qualifier. Um there is there's what? No, there isn't one there. Um, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, a good point. When I go back over the phrase level and graph, well, you'll really see them in when I add passives because okay. those will mess around with you'll have to explicitly add case, which means you can't drop the qualifier. You'll get a whole bunch of examples. Yeah. Okay, on qual- page 23 for people following along, there is a whole section on quantifiers and the effective grammar. Quantifiers Just, uh, or qualifiers? Qualifiers. 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 And yeah, you, you mark basis and case, and there's even a little thing where you say uh, you can have dummy martif- qualifiers, which is yeah, kind of Yeah, those awesome. are particles. Yeah, but um, um, I was gonna say, does the does the qual- qualifier precede or follow the the noun? It's it's qualifying. It precedes immediately. Mm. So, like in the uh, in the determiner slot, if you follow anything like that. Okay. Um, well, the determiner slot, well, in English, anyways, the determiner slot yeah. comes before adjectives. So, yeah. I think I put it in the noun complement slot in for okay. example, but okay. obviously. I'm starting not to like transformational grammar. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well then, I will say you're, nothing. You're... Determiner <laughs> 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 uh, slot. Anyway, um, yeah, we are running really long. I I really wish we could we could go on and on about this, but. Uh, uh, we are actually already um, as possibly as long as some of our old uh, two topic episodes ones. were. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Um, of- we will have the link in the show notes to Tyane. Um, and uh, Eric, ver- thank you very much for, for sort of showing us the way through your language. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, Anything besides this language that you'd like to promote or anything? Um, not that I posted, but 
Um, my website eventually will have more languages. Mm. <laughs> you sound so coy when you say that. <laughs> more languages? That's hilarious. Yeah, well, well, keep on working. I hope we've actually helped you a little bit, and I hope that uh, when this episode publishes, you'll get even more sort of feedback from our audience, too. But, but uh, I, I do think that it's a very worthwhile language to look at, and I think... Um, our audience members will benefit from some of the unique ideas. Like the qualifiers, uh, unfortunately, we won't have much time to talk about them. Any, we didn't have a whole lot of time to talk about them, but that's a very interesting idea. Um, so if nobody has any objections, could we move on to feedback? Sure. Yeah. Oh, I suppose I shouldn't be silent. Oh, well, <laughs> I should point the listeners to go... Um, we obviously don't have time to talk about it here, but go look at the sample text so they are very well annotated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually hoping yeah, yeah, yeah. to mention that, that the the sample texts are very nicely laid out and thorough and detailed. They're good. Yeah, I I haven't looked at them yet, but I will no, they're, do that they're shortly. Um. Anyway, so let's go on and talk about talk about um. Oh wow. Yeah, definitely look at the sample text here because it's, it's, he has notes on, you have notes on your sample text in addition to just the interlinears so that you can explain a few things. There's a little bit more explanation of different grammar topics that way. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, we got an email from Cy. Uh, everybody knows who that that is, I'm sure. Uh, and he says, George, William, and Mike, howdy. Uh, Alex and I were li- just listening to your podcast number 62 while on a road trip. And you mentioned a couple things we'd like to respond to. Now, I'm not going to um, read this whole email because uh, it's, it's very long. Uh, but we'll post it. We'll post it. Not to discourage we'll, we'll, emails. We'll, we'll stick it on. Uh, it's no long emails. Just realize that if it's too long, we won't actually read it on the show. We may mention it. It's uh, uh, a a little sort of a a. a but um, he mentioned that he has a conlang that uh, or. They have a conlang. I think yep. Alex and Cy work together yep, on yep, yep. basically all their languages. Uh, it's called gripping. That, like, we were mentioning that we ha- don't know of any conlangs that have logophore, but gripping apparently has logophore. It's a okay. two-person tactile language. Yeah, George, the name is not gripping. It's the gripping language. Because <laughs> you, you, you um, communicate by hand pressure. While holding another person's hand. That's interesting and odd. <laughs> no, but, it is um, interesting. It's it's it's. I actually recommend people look at it. It's kind of nifty. So the lang, but uh, the language is not called gripping. Uh, it's just called the gripping language. I don't okay. think. Well, because in, in the second well, no, paragraph he... after bullet one, it says gripping is built specifically as two person tactile. Oh, language. I guess it, I guess that he is kind of calling it that. Just, but <laughs> Um, but yeah, it is, you, you, it's communicated by, you know, clasping, clasping your hands together and using, 
uh, pressure. But uh, yeah, um, basically, there's sort of a a uh, a way to do logophore by uh, placing your thumb in different places for different uh, arguments, different um, mm-hmm. uh, anaphoric uh, pronouns. Uh, which is an, a neat idea. It sort of mirrors the idea we were talking about with uh, sign languages, where you assign a space to a particular yeah. entity. I think um, I, is... I think Sai knows sign, so it's yeah, uh, kind of interesting thinking about. Hmm? Huh? No, I was just thinking if you know if there were a race or a, I know it's an engineered an engineered lang, but uh, just thinking about how you do telephone kind of conversation, like you know, sign you can do video and. Speech you could do audio, but this I guess there'd have to be some sort of box that you hold on to a grip, and maybe it transfers <laughs> that grip across. I think, I think in, in haptic feedback. Well, I think I think um, Cy, uh tends to develop his the Sai and Alex type like to develop things for very specific purposes. So I think it may be like they developed this specifically for sort of semi secret, semi private, and uh, communication between two sort of. Some sort of in, intimate people, so yeah. Although but, you couldn't really have conversations with more than just two people, I guess, because you wouldn't really have no. It's, anyway, it's it looks that. like it's designed for just two people. Um, he said you suggested making a new conlang on the show, uh, mentioning my conlang presentations as an ex- example, um, and he he thinks this is a good idea to to uh, an interesting idea to make a conlang on the show. I don't think we... That may have been sort of an offhand comment when we were talking about uh, workshopping somebody's conlang. Uh, which, by the way, we have a volunteer for somebody who has like a... A sort of a, a... Who's sort of a noob, but wants us to help them get started on their conlang a little bit. So... Oh. Um, uh, we do may do that in the future. Um... We may we may end up doing that in the future. It's uh, hard to say. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I I don't know about creating a conlang on the show, like doing a collaborative conlang on the show, like between the the three hosts. That would be cool. Sure. A cool that idea. Cool. That'd to, be easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the I power mean, of Google. Thanks to the power of Google Docs. I think it would be easy for multiple people to edit. Yeah, yeah oh, I think um, the the I think the the point would be to either start the language on the show or get some part of the language done and then talk about the, on the show and be throwing out ideas. Sure, Eric, and, did you have something to say? Yeah. Well, I was just confused because it was like um, create a comment over the course of a single hour long show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's why I was it, saying. A sketch. I mean, the the, the thing yeah. that that Sai's mentioning is you can find it on YouTube, and maybe I can find this for the show notes where he gave a presentation. I forget where it was offhand, um, and you know, at after a quick discussion of conlanging, he just started getting information from people, and they put together a quick, quick, quick um, little conlang, and it's sort of you know obviously a sketch. Um, having seen that show, that. That presentation, I would make a rule that you can't request a constant you cannot um, reliably reproduce. Because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> invariably people want click consonants, but they can't make them, so no. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, we yeah. should uh, we should 
Um, link but to uh, those the, the interesting and... thing in this mail, the, the point that Sai makes is he's not an art langer. He just he does these edge langs. Mm. Yes. So he would be interested to see how it would work for art langers to do something collaborative because art langers tend to have highly strong opinions <laughs> about everything. I mean, well, most, uh, I mean, yeah. most con langers that try to do a collaborative language can never even agree on the freaking vowel inventory. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily that Englangers don't have strong opinions. It's just that for Englangers, you have some objective criteria that you can yeah, design you can, goals. That are yeah, you have design goals and objective criteria to to evaluate it. For us, it's just what we like aesthetically. And some other some some basic things like uh, we I think all of us like naturalism, so we can we can talk right. about that. But um, I think I think it might be like trying to have two art two painters paint a single painting, and they might be arguing about what color to even use and all that because there are different yeah. you know what what but, you find attractive you know, or what you like. We could take a, a look at doing um uh we could you could do it like break it up like you could yeah. think of um. Uh, you know, I read our novel recently, Re- Leviathan Wakes. Uh, um, William read it too. That 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 was actually two guys, and they took two different character perspectives, and they took turns writing chapters. Hmm. So uh, be careful with online that way, though. Yeah, the, you, you, the, the you, thing I is, mean, the even, online. Go ahead, Eric. Um, I mean, you could do like you know. I, um, give a person the final word on any given section of the grammar. You know, Mike has final word on whatever, William has final word on whatever, but you still have to have a lot of... Um, you can't just isolate mm-hmm. everything. That's true. That's true. The language will fall apart. Yeah. I'd think, I'd think you'd start off like um, you'd have somebody work on phonology and someone work on some some basic morphosyntax and stuff and you'd have people talking with each other all the way through so that you don't have things that go wildly off course and and mm-hmm. out of reach anyway that's that's uh, i think enough talking about this this idea for right now <laughs> we we can we can think about if we want to do that on the future in the future maybe that's that will be the next sort of yearly celebration thing is we do uh huh. Oh, a cool. uh, live yeah. conlanging thing, uh, and we also have the the workshop idea that um, uh, we will talk about doing. Uh, maybe not soon, but uh, sometime we'll do that. Maybe once we'll we'll see if we can get that done. We kind of been workshopping a little bit with Eric too, haven't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, when you're and... Yeah, and the last thing he mentioned is, uh, well, his last big point was um, uh, UNLWS. Nonlinear writing system. Yes, um, and he 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 was just suggesting that we we might want to feature it. He he's he he'd like to know uh, what we think would think about it, and uh, we'll take a look. We don't do a lot of Englang stuff, and but uh, we could think about doing this for a future episode. Think about how it and and talk about it. It's uh, and get them uh, to uh, talk about it too. 
Yeah, maybe maybe we will. That might be easier. <laughs> yeah, Sai, Sai, we'll 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 be in touch if we want to talk about uh this. We'll 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 think about it. We got a bunch of other conlangs we want to feature, but this is this is this looks like a unique one that we could take it's a look cool. at. So, um, and it, he has a few uh comments on the length of the podcast, but uh, in any case. I think um I think we can wrap up this episode. Um okay. we so Eric, we always start uh, with our guests if we have a guest on what um just give us any little sort of advice or anything your final words of wisdom is what I I call them. Uh what I mean, what listen to the show. Huh? Um I wrote it down. Oh, you wrote something yeah. down. Okay. Ah, I was going to translate something, and then <laughs> that didn't happen. So, that's... That's it. Okay, I guess I didn't have something written down. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have well, any sort of... Yeah. I guess... Well, if, when I was doing Tyeen, as it turns out, some of the most interesting bits of the language happened by pure mistake. Huh. So, like, be sure to take your muses from everywhere. It doesn't it doesn't matter if the source is good or bad. There's no such thing as a good or bad inspiration. Nice. That's, that's a that's a good thought. You know, that's very zen. Some, very good. Yeah, sometimes mistakes yeah. can you give you ideas in any kind of creative work. Um, so, William, I can't possibly beat that, so I'll just be quiet. <laughs> um, all right, then, uh, Mike? Um, I would just echo what he said and say that's a very good one, so that I think is awesome. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to say happy conlanging. Um, okay. Hold on. And we don't have Mike. We lost Mike. And I'm going to make a note about that. Eric, you still there? Still chilling. Mike is calling. Uh, wait, is he calling us? Or... Okay, what is going on? Mike? That was confusing. Hello? Okay, that was funny. <laughs> Okay, Mike, uh, where where did you get cut off? Well, William just said, I just need a break, and it was very awkward silence, and I realized <laughs> I was the only one left in silence. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, well, we 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 we're just saying we we would we will survive without William. So, um, it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. Ah, yeah. And I sent like an email today saying, you know, just to remind everybody, we are actually going to record today. We're trying to get a stable chair out. This anything you say right now is is fair game for the. Uh, the gag reel, unless you say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so is this the point where I point out my social security number? You know, my phone may be a dumb phone, but I do like that it has a uh, full physical QWERTY keyboard. I really didn't ever text until I got my iPhone a few weeks ago, because it has a keyboard. Even if it's a virtual one, it's much, much nicer to use than a like, number pad. Yeah, it is. It, it's a little easier. I, I've done typing a few little things on my iPod Touch, but obviously no texting. I think I still would prefer a physical one. I don't know. Do they make any of the Android ones still with physical keyboards? No idea. I think if I want to get a smartphone, I may get a uh, an Android phone. Just. Because I feel like um, going with the other one. <laughs> Are you Plus, fearful of being interpreted as an Apple fanboy? No, no, not really. I mean, I have an iPod Touch, and if I get a tablet, I'll, I'll I'd be getting an iPad. So I like I'd like to be in both spheres a little bit. Um, and the other thing is, there are certain things that Android apps can do that iPhone apps don't. Mike? Wow. Hello, Mike? We cannot hear you, Mike. Turn on your mic, Mike! <laughs> George, how long have you waited to say that? <laughs> Uh, okay. Hi, creator Eric. of Tyeen, so Hi. I'm waving, but you can't see it. It's all right. Yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it. No. Yeah, we don't do we don't do this recording with video because doing multiple video skypes is complicated. It is also would destroy connectivity. You would never hear me again. I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty settled in. I there's still a few things. I still need to find a job. I still haven't started classes. There, There's just those things. But I'm getting my way, learning my way around town and stuff. So I'm, I'm getting there. 